what a service we had last weekend, huh? Ich kastus tonita. Thank you, Lord. What a word the Lord has given us. I want us to start a new series uh, this morning. couple of weeks. I don't know how long it will take us, but as far as the Spirit of God leads us, we will teach on this subject. I was meditating and pondering on some of the things the Lord said to us concerning 2021. When he said, this year, 2021, will be a year of judgment, justice, and righteousness. And the Lord said to us that several things will take place during this year. And he gave us certain prophetic insight and also instructions. that we were to follow in this year. And particularly, one instruction that the Lord gave us, he said, this year, you must pray more than other years. You know, sometimes you hear the Lord, but really, it doesn't register into your spirit the imperativeness, the importance of what the Lord is communicating because he does not give further detail. or has not given further detail on the instruction that he has given. But in the last couple of weeks, maybe six, seven weeks, I really understood what the Lord was implying when he said to us, we must pray. And pray we must. Because it's the year of judgment. It's the year of justice. That means there are many accusations. Many 
cases in the courts of heaven that are going on and that the Lord is rendering verdicts on. You know, in Daniel chapter 7, how the Bible says, and the courts were seated and the books were opened and the ancient of days came and judgments were made. This is actually that this year that this has been going on. This has been going like in Mika where he says the Lord has held the entire nations of the earth on trial. And when I went back to these prophetic words, particularly in more detail, this um, this this week, I ought to realize why prayer was essential. Because these are matters that are taking place in the heavenly dimensions, in the heavenly realms. And our participation there, our active participation there, can only be in the place of prayer through the advocacy of the Spirit of God. So many have lost cases, not because you should not have won them, but because you are not present. This is how the law system works, the earthly law system. A case must go on whether or not one party is there or not. A judge doesn't say, no, we postpone because the defendant or the plaintiff is not there. The courts go on. It is the judicial and justice system of this earth. It's the same in the heavens. Cases go on whether or not you are present. So one of the reasons why the Lord told us to consistently apply ourselves to the place of prayer was because you did not know when your case was being called up. One thing we must understand about God is he's a righteous God. That means he's, he, he sets the law and he abides by the laws he has set. So he's a God of justice. He's a, he's a legal God. Do you understand? So, so even though, even though you may, you may have rights to certain inheritances legally, unless they are presented in a way that will make the verdict go in your direction, you may never experience them in your life. Because you remember, the Bible calls it, the word Satan, Satanos, means an accuser, an adversary, an opposer. One who is at opposition with you. So at every given point in time, he has files, prosecution files against you. The Bible calls him the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night. So he's always looking for a legal, because Satan is also legal. He's looking for a legal way to cause mischief in your life. 
Yeah, but no, he can't because God, God, we are in Christ. G, G, Paul said this. He says, and give the devil no, no what? No place. Why would he say give the devil no place if the devil could not get a place or a foothold in your life? It's because he can. Because there are legal grounds in the universe for that to take place. So the Lord said, pray. Pray in season. Pray day and night. Because it's the year of judgments. It's the year of justice. It's the year of righteousness. The execution of justice and judgments. So you pray because of the activities that are going on around and for you. You pray. And you pray also to tap into the ministry of the Spirit of God. Remember Jesus said he is the, another comforter, right? And the Greek translation for another comforter is alos parakletos, and which is a sevenfold meaning, which means comforter, counselor, advocate, intercessor. And all those, all those descriptions of the ministry of the Spirit of God implies that his ministry in our lives is as a legal representative before God. Because we may not have all the legal terminology, the legal understanding of the operation of the system of God. So the Spirit of God is there as our legal representative before the throne of God. So we must pray. Because he cannot do his work apart from you. So the Spirit of God said to us, this year, pray like no other year. And one of the things he said, he said, the prophets must pray. Because they have a lot to say. They have a lot to declare. They have a lot to speak forth. And so that made me realize that many of us, many of God's people have been missing before the courts of heaven. And God had no choice but to make judgments that should have been in your favor but were not in your favor. Because incas and prayer was not given. Prayer, my brothers and my sisters, is not something to be taken lightly. It's not something to be regarded as optional or a, 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 to have a vacational approach to it. To pray when you feel like it or pray when you don't feel like it. The man who lives their life and approaches prayer that way will, will experience many losses in their lives. Because prayer is a must if you will enforce and experience the victories of the cross. 
If you don't learn to pray, and I'm not talking praying within a system, within a body of people. I'm talking about prayer as an individual. If you don't learn it, there are many things you will suffer that you should not have suffered. There are many things that will be delayed that should not have been delayed. There are many things in your life. And you see, here's the thing about prayer. Nobody, nobody. There are prayers people can pray for you. But there are prayers that only you can pray for yourself. And nobody can pray those prayers for you. It's like me as a, as a man of God. As, as, as the pastor of Holy Spirit's tabernacle. You can all pray for the church. You can all pray, but there is a prayer that only I can pray for the church. And there's no amount of praying of the brethren that can substitute that. So I realize that many of us lack And it is against or to your disadvantage if you lack in prayer in the season of judgment, in the season of justice, in the season of righteousness. Remember, the Bible says righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne, not love. Yeah, God loves me. So all will go smooth in life. God operates on the precipice of justice and righteousness. The laws of life, the laws of the universe, he has set in place. It is by those laws that he governs the universe, governs creation. And any man, doesn't matter who it is, because the Bible says he is not a respecter of persons who would walk in line with those laws or against those laws will suffer the necessary consequences. So I want to teach this series on the ministry of prayer. To help God's people realize their deficits, their deficiencies. And also, if God, in his grace, allows, impart the grace for that activity. So we'll be teaching on the ministry of prayer. Prayer is a ministry. What's a ministry? A ministry is an office through which service is rendered. So it is, it is a service. It is a duty. It is the rendering of a service. That's what a ministry is. And in this regard, it's the rendering of the service of prayer. So in the kingdom of God, prayer is an office. Prayer is an office. And those who serve in that office partake of the graces that are available from that office.
So the first things that must be anchored within any house of God among the people is to build strong foundations in prayer. Strong foundations in prayer. Prayer refers to the communication of a man with a divine entity. So prayer is not only what you do, but a platform. It's not only you, you, you pray prayers. You understand? It's not only something that you do, but it is a platform upon which God and man can communicate. That's why in the Old Testament, when, 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 when after man had sinned, when God established the priesthood, the priesthood stood as a mediatory system, an interfacer of God to man and man to God. And that was the platform of prayer. Is the connecting of the natural, the physical and the divine. Is the marriage of God and man. And really, the responsibility of prayer is not given to a few, but to all who will desire to make it in life and to appropriate the riches of the glory of Jesus Christ. So many things can happen after you have prayed, but not so much can happen before you have. Because prayer is meant, and, 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 and the, the, the system of prayer is, is an indicator that only God can truly fulfill the desires of man. That man by himself cannot fulfill his own desires. So we pray. We pray because we are spirits and caged. Trapped by the limitations of the fallen flesh. So we pray. The Bible says creation is groaning and travailing to be delivered, to be freed from the bondage and be liberated into the liberty of the sons of God. So if you don't learn to pray, There are things you will suffer. Then you should. Here's the thing. There, there are things that you should not suffer, but will suffer because you do not pray. And also, there are things you must suffer because you pray. So, so prayer, prayer rightly divides the accommodation of divine suffering from unrighteous suffering. So we must pray. We 
we must pray. Many times, the, 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 the intensity of sufferings are an indicator of your prayerlessness. Because you feel them. If you, are, you, if you are prayerful, you will not feel them. Because prayer is a shield. A man who prays is not exempted from the troubles of life, but is immune from them. They will come. Paul says, none of these things move me. Let's read. Luke chapter 18. I know without a shadow of doubt that my life is the product of prayer. I know I would not be where I am today, saved, protected from certain things in life today, if it had not been for prayer. <coughs> prayer is the intelligence by which I have carried my life. It is by this intelligence and this intelligence alone that I have gotten not only to be given understanding about life but the grace to live it. It is prayer. You look at me, I've been cooked in the cauldrons of prayer. Because I learned a long time ago, a long time ago, probably a decade now, that the only security I have in life is this ability to pray. And for years I've sought the grace to talk to God and to be heard by Him. And it has facilitated many things in life, arranged many things in my life. Prayer is not in the realm of feelings. You see, for you to be successful in prayer, you must eradicate the displacing of prayer in feelings. The day you disenfranchise prayer with feelings, you are ready for a prayer life. But as long as prayer and feelings are married together, just know that you don't have a prayer life. 
You don't have it. And you will never have it. Because you don't build a prayer life on the basis of feelings. You build a prayer life on the basis of principle. Of principles. And to live by the principle of prayer is the only sure way to develop a strong prayer life. A strong prayer life. The devils you are against are very strong. <laughs> the ghost They are defeated. They've been spoiled. They've been rendered inoperative. But they are very strong. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against, you know, I had a fresh understanding of this word, of that scripture, just a few days ago. It hit me so hard, I realized. I realized that in order for me to live life, I have to be strong in prayer. I'll show you throughout this series how really the Bible equates strength with prayer. He said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. These are princes, demon princes, against powers, demon exousias, authorities, and against rulers. Of the darkness of this world and then he says against wicked spirits you, you know there's evil and then there's wicked you understand that there's wicked there's evil and then there's wicked wicked is evil on steroids and he says wicked you know when i heard, when i read that I've read that scripture for many years. That's why I know it, but I've read it for many years. And then I read it, it, it two weeks ago. It, it hit me. You know right where the heart is? It hit me. Wicked spirits. And since you're wrestling against them, wicked, wicked spirits. Those are spirits, they have hate. Yeah? And not just hate. They hate you. They hate you with anger. They hate you with a love. They love to hate you. They are impassioned in their hate. That means the entire goal is your entire destruction. It says that's who you wrestle against. It says, forget my loi. <laughs> Forget them. They are, they, they are just a, 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 a reflection, a minor reflection of the reality that exists. Because the one who wants to destroy you is more wicked, more destructive, more passionate than Kokohawamlo. So level Kokohawamlo. You realize, if, 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 if she hates you so much, what more 
the spirit ruling here and others above that spirit just wicked spirits in the heavenly places they gather against you in the heavens these ones they don't come to earth huh? they said they 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 look at your files because they see traffic they look at your files and they say hey that one this is their destiny. If they tell the rulers, they, then the rulers tell the powers, the powers tell them, that is their destiny. Do everything you can. And you must understand, all the three classes, they are afraid of them. Now you think about what's against you. Automatically you know you will not have it easy in life. The only way to become a master in life is through the adoption of the set principle, of the highest principle of living. That's prayer. Jesus lived 30 years only to pray for 2,000 years. He did his miracles, his teachings for three and a half years. He's living now. 2,000 years later, the Bible says he ever liveth. His business today is prayer. Is he ever lived to make intercession for them? You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And that's what he is doing. He ever lived. 30 years, he dies, he rises again to ever live it, to make, not He didn't say to prophesy. He ever lived to make intercession. So, so the, the cry, the, the, the duty, the role, the ministry of Jesus Christ in the heavens now is one as an intercessor to bring creation into alignment with God's will. So daily for the past 2,000 years, he's been grooming for the alignment of creation with God's will. Men like Paul called on to this reality when he says, my children whom I travail again in birth until Christ is formed in you. Paul, his entire life, never did Paul talk about prayer as a, as a lovey-dovey romantic thing. Read his life, strive together with me, agonize, travail, labor. Always prayer has been aligned synonymous with a struggle, with a fight, with a wrestle. So to be weak in prayer is to prepare yourself for failure, is to prepare yourself for losses in life. And you can't blame God. Huh? You can't blame God. He says, if, if you fail in the heat or in the day of battle, thy strength is weak. It's not about, it's not about the power of the, the, the battle. It's your strength. He says, if you fail in the day of battle, Thy strength is weak. He didn't say your enemy is powerful. 
He said, your strength is weak. Sakunda barista kando shadaya. If you can't bring heaven down alone, forget bringing it in a company. How should God hear your voice in the midst of roaring when he can't hear your voice when you are alone? And how do you expect to hear God's voice in the midst of company when you can't hear it alone? I wonder how heaven reviews your service in prayer. I wonder how many star ratings you are given in the prayer realms. When the angel death your file and look at you, I wonder the reviews they give. Weak in prayer, infrequent in prayer. Impassioned in prayer. you fail in prayer you will fail in life it is a guarantee my brothers and my sister because the only system that God has given us to combat successfully against the onslaughts of demonic entities is prayer if they be prophets let them pray See, in life you can fail in many things. Huh? You can fail in school, you can fail at work, you can fail in your business, but never make the mistake of failing in prayer. Fail in every other area, it's acceptable. But what is not acceptable is failing on your knees. It's failing in the platform of prayer, in the chambers of prayer. You fail there. L listen to me. You, you, listen to me. You will fail in life. If you are, you, you are a visitor in the chambers of prayer, you will fail in life. The first place to secure your life is prayer. Huh. Luke 18, please. Then he spoke a parable to them that man always ought to pray and not lose heart. The, the word not lose heart does not give the strength of the communication. The word there should be spiritless or weak. So they should always pray and not be weak. They should always pray and not be spiritless. See why you're weak in life? Why you're spiritless in life? You are absent. You are absent. 
Wie absent on the altar. You are absent. It says man ought always to pray. Always, not sometimes. Always to pray and not be weak and not be weary and not be spiritless. We are not strong because we can't be weak. We are strong because we have realized that we can only live by the strength of God. So in the place of prayer, we pray and God exchanges our strength for his strength. So to men, we look strong. But the source of our strength is known. It is man, man ought always to pray. Ought always to pray and not be weakened and not be wearied. And then he further goes to give a parable about a widow. There was a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me. In other words, she did not stop just because the judge said no. She did not stop just because the judge, the judge ignored her. She came one day and said, get me justice. The judge said no. She came back again and said, get me justice. The judge said no. She came, she wearied the judge. And this is, this is a parable that Jesus gives in connection to always praying and not giving up. Always praying and not being weakened. She went to the judge, get me justice. Why didn't she get justice for herself? Because she could not. She did not control the laws. And she did not have the authority, the auspices to render the verdict, the judgment. Only the arbiter, only the judge could. So she went to the one who could give her what she wanted. She wanted justice. And if you want justice, you go to the judge. And Jesus says it is in relation to prayer. I tell you, I, your mother has cancer. She's going to die. <laughs> the doctors just told you they can't help you. So in, in, in the parable of Jesus, you go to where? You go to the physician, the great physician. Give my mother healing. Give my mother healing. Give my mother. Deliver my mother. It's not a prayer you pray once. You pray until it is done. The problem with too many of you is that you hear bad news and then you give up. You hear bad news and then the spirit leaves you. You become spiritless. You become wearied. Jesus' men are always to pray and not lose heart. 
The just says, though I do not fear God, nor regard man. He says, listen to this. Yet because this woman troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she weary me. She did not get the answer because she, 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 she deserved it. She got it because she troubled the judge. There are dimensions of prayer you need in your life. For certain things to change. There are dimensions of prayer you need, Mike. Where you get into the place of prayer and you don't leave until you see the cloud like the size of a man's head. Many of you, you don't know that kind of dimension. All you know about praying is, oh God, amen. Oh God, help me. <laughs> oh my Lord, God is in heaven, you are on earth. The trouble you are facing is not in heaven, it's on earth. And for you to connect with heaven, you need to stay in the place of prayer. I have fought for my life. My life, I have fought for. It was not given to me, Mike. It was not given to me as a present. I fought for it. Everything I have in life, I fought for it. I'm a fighter. I fight. I learned, I've been taught in the school of war. David said, you teach my hands to make war that I may break the bronze. I know what it is to trouble the judge. When I am nothing, I know what it is. I know what it is to pray like I'm, I'm about to die. To pray, to pray until sweat, thick sweat flows from. I know what it is. If I show you my knees now, you will see. My knees are a testimony. One great man of God, even Roberts, cried out to God and said, God, bend my knees, bend my knees. If this is the last thing you do, bend my knees. Man, I'd always to pray and not lose heart. And listen to what Jesus says. He says, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. So God is ready to answer. God is ready to move. God is ready to act. Very few of us are praying. Men ought always to pray. So if you are a man, 
if you are a woman. You, you have to be identified as a man or woman of prayer. Many of you don't, don't realize, don't understand why you should pray. You don't understand why you should pray. Let me help you. Genesis. You didn't close my car before. You didn't close my car? Leave it, it's fine. Genesis why must you pray if God is God <laughs> if God is God why must you pray and why must you persevere in prayer and be persistent in praying why why can't I just say oh God help me <laughs> oh God do your thing yeah? oh God do your thing why must you pray Show you. Verse 26. Verse 26, chapter 1. Verse 26. Let's read, please. Who said it? Who said it? God. Who said it? God. God said, Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Yeah. According to our likeness. And let them have dominion. Over the fish of the sea. Yeah. Over the birds of the air. Yeah. 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 So God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. But this man was not going to live in heaven. He was going to live on earth. And God said, let them have dominion over everything on earth. Right? So God created a man who was in his image and after his likeness. So he looked like God and could function like God. Right? But he did not put him in heaven. He put him on earth. And God says, I delegate dominion to him. So the dominion God had over the earth before verse 26 was now transferred entirely to man. Are you following me? I'm giving you the history of life and the laws that undergirds prayer. So God delegated 
the dominion over the earth to men. So by God doing that, he locked himself out. And his actions on earth, his movements on earth, were only limited to the permission that man gave him. If you don't understand this, you will never be powerful in prayer. You will never be strong and never persist in prayer. You will give up too soon in prayer if you don't understand this. So, as far as God was concerned, man was supposed to mirror heaven on earth. But it was not going to be through God, but going to be the authority, the dominion that God had given him. The Bible says that the world was made by Jesus. Jesus is the author, the originator of the cosmos. The cosmos that you and me are part of today that was built by Satan, it is because of what? Of the betrayal of authority to Satan. So as far as God is concerned, he can't do anything on earth. Now he is God, he is sovereign, but God, God gave the earth to man. Oh, son. Psalm 115. Psalm 115, verse 16. Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's. But the earth he has given to the children of man. See, you see, do you see the separation? Do you see the separation? And God doesn't trespass on territory that's not his. So heaven is God's territory. But he says, the earth he has given to the children of man. So earth is the territory of man. You understand me, auntie? So when you look at the earth, there is nothing that God will do here on earth without the invitation of man. And that's the one of the reasons altars were built. Altars are built to channel, to route. To, to give spirits permission, legal permission to function on earth. And that's why only men can build altars. Angels can't build altars. If an angel wants to erect its authority in a territory, he must look for a man who is willing to build an altar. He must, if a demon wants to, wants to enshrine, enshrine itself in a territory, it must look for somebody who will legalize it. So Satan and his devils were legalized on earth. Were legalized on earth by Adam. Their presence was legalized by God. When the Bible says he cast him down on earth. But their activity, their dominion, their rulership, their, their actions and function on earth 
were legalized by Adam. So the dilemma now was, you have demonic spirits, alien spirits that have been legalized to have dominion on earth by men. Now, the man who has authority no longer has authority over the things that God gave him. It is now the alien, the demonic spirits that now are ruling over the earth that God gave man. So, man is powerless because he had handed over, betrayed the power, the authority, the dominion to a fallen entity. And on this other side, man has disobeyed God. So man is dead. He's separated from God. So man is alone with no help. He's a slave. And the only way man can have the help of God is through a mediator. Through a mediatory system. Mashita Konga. So the earth belongs to man. So you, you can't expect God to move in your life until you permit him. Unless you give him permission, you invite him. Because legally, God can't work on earth. <laughs> legally, God can't function on earth without the permission and invitation of God. So miracles are intrusions of the supernatural given access by man. So anything a spirit from another world has done on earth has done it because it was permitted by man. And remember I told you when I started that God is legal. He's lawful. He's righteous. <coughs> That's why devils can wreak havoc and, and there be no reaction from heaven. And you look around, <laughs> where is God? Because God is not the ruler of earth. He does not rule earth. He has given, he has bequeathed it to man. Psalm 8. Psalm chapter 8. there
verse number three. When I consider your heavens, when I consider the heavens, When I consider the heavens, read please. Yeah. What what is man that you are mindful of him? Yeah, and the son of man that you visit him, for you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now verse verse six. You have made to have dominion over. So who, who has dominion over the works of God's hands? God? Who? Yeah? You have what? You have put all things under his feet. So as far as God is concerned, earth belongs. So the destruction in the world, who's responsible for it? God? Who? The darkness, the evil, the wickedness, who's responsible? Man. Who? Man. The pain, the sickness, the... Who's responsible? Devils. Who? Devils? Who? Who's responsible for sickness? For pain? Man. Because the Bible says he had given him what dominion over the works of his hands. And he gave it to Adam. That's one of the reasons Satan didn't wait until there was Cain and Abel. He went to the first. Because had he waited, Adam would have bequeathed that authority to Cain. So it would have been much tougher for Satan to get the authority. Do you understand? It's what the Bible calls the law of the double portion. If you have six sons, you separate the portion seven. If you have six sons, you separate the portion seven times. You give each one, one, two, three. The seventh you give to the firstborn. That's, what it, that, that's the law of the double portion. So when, when, when Elisha was saying, I want, I want a double portion of your spirit. He didn't say he wants two times uh, Elijah's spirit. No, he was referring to the blessing of the double portion. So the son will get two times. And that's what proves that he's the son. That's one of the reasons why blessings were transferred, not through the second born, but through the first. The only exception was Jacob. 
Why? Because even God predetermined it. Jacob, I have loved. Esau, I have hated. You, you follow me? So, so Satan didn't wait. As soon as the... And Satan was already in the garden. Ezekiel. So you can see that Satan was Adam's responsibility. Anything Satan did, Adam was responsible for him. Because he had dominion. And Satan is, is, is the work of God's hand. He's a specimen of God, Lucifer. The stars are the work of God's hand. That's why he says, when he speaks of the world to come, he does not say he has given it to angels, but to men. So you have to pray, because you are responsible for everything in your life. And because you are without power, because your father... Adam relegated that power, bequeathed, betrayed that power to the devil. You need the intervention of a higher power. That's where prayer comes in. And that's why true prayer is not from a position of strength, but of weakness. Because had you been powerful, you would not need God, especially not for the devil. And that is why there is absolutely nothing God will do about the devil that you do not do yourself. Because he is your responsibility, not God's. God, remove the devil. No. I ain't going to remove that. You're going to remove him. How? Through the system of prayer. When Jesus was teaching fallen men to pray, he said, when you pray, ask him, deliver me from evil. That was fallen men. Fallen men need to be delivered from evil. <laughs> because they are under the dominion of evil. So they are praying, deliver us from evil. But when he comes into, into, into Christ, into the kingdom, he doesn't say, pray to be delivered. No, he says, they that believe, they will drive out devils. There's nothing I can do. Let's read. Chapter 28. Verse 13. 
Moreover, moreover, verse 11, moreover, chapter 28, moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection. You were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Verse 13, read there, please. Oh, read verse 13, please. Just that part alone. You were? You were? You were? The? So he was, he, he was not, they were not in Eden or the Garden of Eden. They were in the territory Eden. So Eden was the garden of God and then there was a garden in Eden. You follow? So he says, how did he get there? He says, you were there. Eden is not in heaven. There's not a place in heaven called Eden. Even Eden was on earth. And Eden was there before the garden. That's what the Bible says. He planted a garden eastward in Eden. Eden was already there. You follow? I'm sharing with you history. The history behind the importance of prayer. So he says you were in Eden. The garden of God. So the Bible says he put him in the garden to tend it and to protect it. And we told you, God would not use terminologies like subdue. To subdue what to subdue? To subdue is to put in place that which is what? Rebellious. So God says subdue. So when you read Genesis 20, chapter 1, verse 26, God is actually speaking in prophetic terminology. The fish of the sea are the fish of the sea, but it's also referring to something. The birds of the air are the birds of the air, but it's also referring to something. That's why you find later when Jesus comes, he speaks of devils as birds of the air. Uh, <laughs> right? Creeping things, he's referring to something. So he was supposed to subdue all those things. But had not God just created them? So he couldn't have been talking about those things, but something else. There was something behind. So Adam had a responsibility of putting the devil in his place. Remember, Revelation chapter 12, he is what? Cast down. There was no more room found for them in heaven. So they were cast down where? Into the earth. See that? What came first? The fall of Satan or Adam? Adam. No, Satan. So Adam was created for dominion. He was in charge of the entire earth. So it was his responsibility to keep the fallen angels at bay. To keep the fallen creatures that he did not do it. That's why we have Genesis chapter 6. 
Fallen angels running rampant around the earth. He did not do it. <laughs> he did not do it. He failed. And here's what's strange. He was driven out of the Garden of Eden to where those devils were. You follow? The devils were in Eden. Satan's company was, was in Eden. Listen, Satan loves to localize himself where God is. You won't find, you ask him, would you go Josie? Satan, No, he likes to be where God is. He likes to be where God is moving. So, you, 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 you are guaranteed that Satan was somewhere in Eden. He was somewhere in Eden. You can be guaranteed, assured of that. He was somewhere in Eden. He doesn't like playing far from where God is because he, he wants to disrupt everything that God does. <coughs> and man was in charge of dealing with the devil. One day, Kenneth Hagin had a vision of Jesus. And Jesus was talking to him. And Jesus was talking. All of a sudden, he saw a devil, like a, a chimpanzee, just coming up and standing between him and Jesus. So a devil would screech and make jump up and down. And Jesus continued talking like nothing was happening. But something happened. A smoke came. And it caused Hagen not to hear what Jesus is saying. So Hagen is wondering. He, he's not saying anything to the Lord, right? He's wondering. What's going on? I can't hear the Lord. And the Lord is continuing to talk. Like the devil is not there. And he's what? And something in him, you know, he got irritated. And he just said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, devil. Get from here. The devil fell down, whipped, and ran away. Jesus continued to speak. After Jesus spoke, Hagen went to Jesus and said, but how? You knew I couldn't hear you, but you continued to speak. And you saw this devil was here. Why didn't you, why, why didn't you rebuke it? You know what Jesus said? I couldn't. Not I didn't. I couldn't. Then he said, no, 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 no. Lord, you said what? Repeat. <laughs> Jesus said, I couldn't, even if I wanted to. Because I have done everything I needed to do about the devil. If you had not cast the demon, he says, I would not have done it. Hagen said to him, I don't believe. That doesn't line up with the scriptures. Give me scriptures. Give me three scriptures, Lord, and I'll believe it. I, I don't believe it just because you said it. He said, I'm a stickler from the word. The Bible, he said, Jesus smiled. And he said, I, I, I'll do you one bet. I'll give you four. And Jesus gave him four. The first one he gave him, resist the devil and he will flee. He asked him, am I there?
<laughs> to be deep and unscriptural is to live in an abyss. You know that people, preachers who preach deep, but they are very unscriptural. God's going to sort the devil out for you. When has God ever done that? If God was going to sort out the devil, he could have sort out the devil with Job. He didn't sort out the devil with Job. He asked him, where do you come from? He didn't say, oh, I'll shift him. God further invited him. Because, because some of you think God and the devil are at loggerheads. I get that's how some of you think God and the devil are. That when God sees the devil, all the anger rises up. <laughs> Go read Job. <laughs> I'm saying, oh, come, come closer, let's talk. God, God had a conversation with the devil. A nice one though. Where the conversation ended in God giving Satan power. Twice. <laughs> Vincent, what do you make of that? Because you think God deal with the devil. God's going to call the devil. Have you considered my son? Guy, strike him. Let's see. It's fine. Strike him what you want. Strike him the way you want. Let's see. All there was about Job and God was the fact that Satan said, if you strike him, he will curse you. That's all. That's how all this thing started. God said, have you considered? Satan was going to and fro the earth. <laughs> have you considered my servant Job? I'm sure what, what, what I picture I'm everything. Have you considered? <laughs> How he fears God, he shuns evil, he, he's just a righteous man. <laughs> In one day, everything. The next, the next time it is his health. Everything is taken. The next time it is health. And God is still fine. Do you think why, why did you kill his children? Why did you? What God said, are you satisfied? He didn't curse me. Satan says, ah, eh, skin for skin. Strike his health. Mudibara is fine. That means Satan could do anything except kill him. So he could give him all the skin boils, all the cancers, all everything. So whatever sickness on Job. Job keeps worshiping. Is God doing something about the devil? No, he's giving something to the devil. So the next time you think about telling God about the devil, be, just be careful. Just, just be careful. 
Just, just be careful. Because God is priding himself there. And then when God meets Job in chapter 38, God is angry at Job now. Or who is he that answers without knowledge? Who speaks without counsel? He says, let him stand now and, and answer me. I will ask and he shall answer. And then he just gives him a long list. Where were you when I did this? Do you know this? Do you know Job? <laughs> you know, yeah, I can complain either, but I've heard. I've heard. Now I see. Let's end this debate. <laughs> and then God goes to Job's friends. He slats them. He says, you guys, I'll kill you now. So do for yourself favor. Prepare yourself an offering. Take it to Job. God never speaks about, you know, I was just. He never says, he never says that to the devil, to Job. Or no, this was actually the devil, my son, you know. God is asking him about creation. <laughs> Do you know where the sun rises, where the moon rises? Do you know, do you know all this? Do you know Leviathan? Do you know Mammoth? God is telling him about all these things. You think God will come and comfort him, Aram Fanak? You were hurt by the devil. <laughs> Did God do that? You see, religion will make you think about God in a certain way until you read your Bible. Because that when you start reading your Bible, you'll understand the Lord. You will understand the Lord. You will, you will understand his ways, his character. And you'll be able to clearly and accurately deduce matters. You, be, you can be able to extrapolate information from the circumstances of your life. So, Satan... Be betrayed or was betrayed authority. He got it legally. On what grounds? Satan, Satan didn't tempt Adam and Eve in any area except which God commanded them. So he knew the only legal way to get what Adam was given because there's no vacuum in life. There's no vacuum in, in life. You understand? When, 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 when Judas Iscariot betrayed Jesus, the Bible says in, in prophecy, David said, let another take his place. Do you understand? In other words, his, his, his place could not remain vacant. So there's no vacuum in life. So even the place Satan held is filled. Do you understand? So, so nobody or they, how can I put it? Nothing waits for you in the kingdom. If you don't use what is given you, is given to another. He that does not have, he says, shall be taken and be given to another. Remember the talent, the one with the ten, uh, one talent says, take his one talent and give it to the one with ten. No vacuum. 
No vacuum. Love don't think things will wait for you. You're absolutely replaceable. <laughs> you are absolutely replaceable. Usadi jutur angega agasemo griot fanalin. Have you interviewed every 7.5 billion people on earth? Otora agasemo griot fanalin. O trebo to the seven continents. Also to lipitirtif around. Ten times better than you, but As our Jews are babes, you are the only one. But it's grace that read together. The choice, a matter of choice. Not a matter of the absence of options. So, so specialize your role. Amen. No, you're replaceable. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> you are a choice. Yeah, you understand? You are a choice. Not the absence of options. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so say that you that the only way to get a hold of the dominion of Adam, remember. It was bequeathed, right? God said it. It came out of God's mouth. And remember, the gifts and callings of God are without reproach. That's why when, when a man dies, let's just say a man of God, a woman of God dies, when they die, the, they may die, but the office, the mantle is still there. That's one of the reasons when the sons of the prophet saw Elisha, they said the spirit of Elijah was on him because he may leave but the mantle remains the anointing remains there's no vacuum make no doubt about it there's no vacuum so satan knows it he knows that if i get him to betray this authority i will be in place to get it because there's no one else 
So I'll step into that office. So what does Satan do? He goes to the weakest link. Women are weak because of their emotions. Not their bodies, their emotions. You are weak because of your emotions. And Satan knew it. That's why the Bible says, Adam was not deceived. Adam knew what he was doing. Did you understand that? So when Adam got that food and ate man, he knew what he was doing. It was not like, Lord, no, he knew. That one didn't really understand what was going on. That's why the Bible says, she was Eve. The woman was deceived. That's why, the most dangerous thing to do is to give a woman authority. Feminism, the enthronement of the female is demonic. It's not, it's not the structure of life. Women can't do what men can do. You may try, but you can't. That you can do it does not mean it's your role. That's feminism. Men and women are equal. How? How? Where, where was that made equal? We, we need to bring order. There must be equality. <laughs> Women are, are, are susceptible, are prone to demonic influence more easily than men. That is not always the... Men are, I'm not saying men are not demonically influenced. They are, definitely are. But women are more prone because of their emotions. They can't think. It's an example. I said that on purpose. Uh, I said that on purpose. I, 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 you want to hurry. How if we have Uber or Masin? To process for them, go Etiyanaku. They they don't know all the process.
They process things through emotions. And Satan knew that. Hore, I know this one, this, that one is intelligent. Is it true that God said that you may not eat of the tree? No, God told us we must not look, even look at it and eat. Satan are okay. Oh, all right, all right. God was lying to you because he knows that the moment you eat, you become like God. All of a sudden, the fruit changed to being the knowledge of good and evil to being, being like God. He, he knows it. You'll be like God. That's why he said don't eat. So he doesn't want you equal with him. All of a sudden the woman looked. And the Bible says she saw. That the fruit was pleasant. Desirable. To eat. What part? She, she, Satan whipped through all the facets of the flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Satan got through it. One statement, Mufelit. She saw, she felt it desirable, the flesh, and then the pride of life. I'll be like God. Adi, babe. That's why a man's weakness is a woman. Look at the guys. Oh, I love Bileum Root. Azul, Azul, Azul. That's one of the reasons the Bible says you tame a woman. You know the Bible says that? Yeah? You tame, you tame. What's to tame? You tame dogs, you tame animals. I'm going to tell a dog sit. And it sits. Sing. Woo! It sings. That's taming. <laughs> That's what the Bible says you do to a wife. I'll leave it there. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Oh, you don't believe? <laughs> oh, okay. Praise the Lord. Hmm. <laughs> How we do that? Let's pass. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So Satan knew that, right? So he got it legally. So when Adams ate, he did the very act God said not to do. All of a sudden, the source of authority cut off from him. Right? And then that authority that God had given him transferred. And there's no vacuum. It transferred to Satan. Remember Satan and Jesus? says, for all this has been what? The word is betrayed to me. To all this power, authority, the kingdoms, they be betrayed to Satan. Cast out of the Garden of Eden. Now, the authority that he was supposed to use to deal with the devil, the devil is using it against him to deal with him. So he's a slave now. That is the basis of life. That, that is the basis of life. That man has become a slave to the forces of life. And even when you come into Christ, though legally you might be freed and enthroned with Christ, but because of your status as a babe, you will suffer. Remember, God said to Israel, I've given you the land, right? And when the top pies came, they said, yeah, we see the land, but we cannot take it. God said, because of this, you will not enter. Did they not enter because the land did not belong to them? No, they entered because of what? Their attitude. They entered because of their mindset. They entered because of their spiritual status. That's why Paul says, even we, when we were children, were in bondage to the elements of this world. So you suffer the forces of life. Not because you don't belong to God, but because you may not know enough. You are a babe. You are an appeals. So the foundation of life is that, remember, 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 you can't undo a system in a year or in a day. You can kill the source of the system, destroy the source of the system, but once the system is created, you have to let it run its... And that's what God is doing now. He's letting the system run its course. So Satan is still in charge of the system. Not legally, but through power bequeathed to him. That's why the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So Satan is destroyed, is paralyzed. His catario is dismantled. Is dismantled. But he can steal, steal power. 
The same way he stole from Adam, he can still do that now. Oh, pastor, why is it? We are babas of Satan. Pastor, we are babas. I'm just stating facts. I'm babas in Mumpumi. Babazu says, Let me read you. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Come, let's read, please. Who had the Now, the word there is a strange word. It's not exousia. It's kratos. Kratos refers to a dominion. Right? So Satan had the dominion or had dominion over death. You follow? Are you follow? So Jesus destroyed he that had power over death. Now, kratos is dominion. And, and this dominion is the dominion exercised through words. So, Satan has been rendered powerless. Jesus destroyed him, right? Despoiled him, right? But remember, he, he, Jesus can't send him to hell. Why can't he send him to hell? Who can speculate? Why can't Jesus send him to hell? Because he? No, he, he was, he's already judged. Remember, he says, Jesus said he's already judged. Remember? Remember? Jesus said he's already judged. Satan's end is already determined. But why can't he be sent to hell? Because of that? So Satan's, Satan's life, right, on earth, is parallel to the time of man. So his existence will be until the age of man ends. Because remember, when he took Adam, when he cheated Adam, he also what? He also not only took his authority, but his life force. That's why the angel said, have you come to, to what? To send us to hell before time. They knew it's not time. And Jesus knew he, he couldn't send them to hell. So stop praying those prayers. I send the devil back to hell. It don't work. They are unscriptural and they don't work. They don't work. If Jesus could send the devils to hell, every other devil in his dispensation, we would have far lesser devils on earth than any other time in history. And that's why they knew it's, it's not our time. It's not, we don't want to go back here. It's not our time. They knew it. They knew it because their time is the time of man. You understand? So there's, there's a, there's a love-hate relationship between devils and men. Anyways. 
Anyways, so remember I'm trying to establish the fact why you need to pray. Why you need to pray. So, Jesus dissolved or disarmed Satan and his principality of Adamic, the Adamic dominion, right? The Kratos of Adam, the dominion of Adam, right? So remember, remember this. So what, what Jesus does, what God does, is that when Adam sins, right? When Adam sins, he suspends the dominion of man and pushes it forward to the millennium. So that's why in the millennium, the Bible talks about the reigning of Christ and his people. He says we will reign with him. If we suffer with him, we will reign. It's not him alone, it's we. Why? Because he must accomplish what Adam forfeited. Are you following me? So that's why we don't really see the dominion of man in this age. And we will not really see it. Yeah, but the church of no, we will not. Because that is, that is, the church, what the church has is the foretaste of the powers of the age to come. So what happened is that when he sinned, God suspended the dominion of man because now Satan had taken that authority and he placed it into the millennium reign of Christ and his church. Are you following me? So what happens now, what happens now is that, so God, Adam, was supposed to reign a thousand years on earth. Then God would allow him to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, then judge Satan. That's a story for another day. So what was supposed to take a thousand years is now taking 7,000 years. Because now God has to raise a godly seed. And it took God 4,000 years to raise a godly seed. From the fall of Adam right up until the coming of Jesus. And during that 4,000 years, Satan was the king. Satan was the ruler of earth. So he had enough time to set up his hierarchy, his authority, his kingdom, his system in place. Then Jesus comes. When Jesus comes, he reclaims from Satan what Adam lost. So he strips Satan of that Adamic authority and he reclaims it back to him. Are you following? He strips him off and he reclaims it. So Jesus is the second Adam. Then, before doing any other thing, after reclaiming it, when he rises, he gives that authority in the name of Jesus to man. That's why the name of Jesus has access into all the dimensions of life, of the universe, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. So, so, so the dominion of Adam and more is in the name of Jesus. And when he takes the name, he gives it to his church. So the church becomes the legal authorities on earth. But that the church is authorized does not mean it will do its job. So now Satan is powerless, but not entirely powerless. Because number one, he has a system. Number two, he is learned in the supernatural. That's why the magicians 
of Pharaoh could do what Moses could do. If, 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 when God was passing judgment to the angels that left their estate in the book of Enoch, he said, you have taught men the secrets of heaven. So there are some things that these angels knew, know about communicating and channeling and aligning and, and, and all these incantations that they can do. So Satan has that. Now all the incantations and all these excess is still under the principle of man. Because God has given dominion to the children of man. So even though Satan is paralyzed, right? His destruction is only limited to the permission man gives him. So when, when a man who, who invokes devils through casting of spells, through all this against you, that demon will go and will have legal access because that demon's energy is siphoned from the human. That's why human blood is the currency of spiritual activations. You, you best believe, if, if blood is spilled, brother, if blood is spilled with the intention of offering up to the devil, you, you, it doesn't matter if you are a Christian, it doesn't matter if you, the, a, demon, a demon will be summoned, and that demon will come, and that demon will be allowed access, unless you know how to route yourself, or how to route a higher power. But the demon will come. Why? Because it has the strength. Remember, the blood is the life of the soul. The life of the soul is in the blood. It's not in the brain. It's in the blood. So if you don't know how to rub the blood of Jesus on you, or you will, you, 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 and that devil will move with the strength that was in that blood. It's how it works. It's how it works. It's the laws. These are laws that are set, that are set in motion by God. That's why when God, even, even after God gave the prophecy to, Mo, to Israel that they would defeat Moab, when the king of Moab saw it, the Bible says he took his son, who was to be an heir. The Bible says he, he, he killed him on the wall as a burnt offering. And the Bible says, and God's indignation against Israel, not Moab, was... And he sent them away. He drove them back to their camp. Why? Blood was spilled. Spirits respond to blood. You don't hear about God after the fall until blood is spilled. You don't hear God moving until blood is spilled. That's when you hear God's voice. Hey, Cain, where's your brother? But I, his blood, I hear the voice of his blood crying to me. That's when God speaks. When blood, blood. So Satan, Satan can still walk on earth through, through blood covenants. Now, I'm, I think you're beginning to realize why prayer is important. It's not only to access the dominion of Adam in Christ, but also to thought 
the agenda, the objectives, the, the, the machinations, the weapons, the artillery, the army, the fight waged against you. So any man who names the name of Jesus is a target. Because you have what he had, Masca, and he knows what you are capable of doing to his kingdom. Here I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about you as a group, I'm talking about you as an individual. Because the day you realize what has been given you, you become a terrorist to the devil. So he must try as much as possible to keep you from knowing what you have gotten that he experienced before. Because he has tasted of Adamic power. And you don't only have Adamic power. You don't only have the power of the second Adam. But you have something greater. You have the kingdom. The authority of the kingdom. So he knows. So automatically, once you say Jesus is my Lord, all hell is targeted against you. All the weapons of hell, all the arrows of hell, are, listen, they are in your direction. Even family devils that have been silent years, have all of a sudden, they are resurrected. Because they want what you have. So what then becomes the solution? Because your power, your authority is only as efficient to your union to God. So prayer, are you listening to me? Prayer is the manifestation, the indicator of your allegiance to God. Prayer in the name of Jesus is your allegiance, is the proof of your allegiance. When you say Father in the name of Jesus, the entire spiritual dimension knows that this one is, is allied to God. And as long as you live then, you are saved. Don't start out in your journey of prayer, Chris, and building a prayer life and stop. You don't build half walls. Build up your life in prayer like the walls of Jericho. Impenetrable. If you go through things and troubles and they weaken you to pray, you are weak. You, 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 become, you become meat. You become bread for devils. Because they know, okay, oh, if we can just tweak this part in their life, they'll, they'll, everything will just crumble. That's why I told you, the strength of a prayer life is to be independent from any other externalities. From feelings, from circumstances. Once you build your prayer life on those bases, you will build the strongest wall for God, for your life, for your family, and for your destiny. 
So why is prayer important? Prayer is important because earth is your responsibility. Prayer is important because God cannot work in your life until he's invited. He cannot intervene until he's permitted. It takes one man rising from a bloodline saying enough is enough. I will not suffer what my previous generation suffered. I will not suffer what my ancestors suffered. All these generational things will end by me. And you better be prepared. Because you, you don't end wars by a single prayer. You don't, oh, you don't end generation of satanic activity by single prayer. You don't establish the kingdom without warfare. You don't establish the rule, the will of God without resistance. You will be resisted in this life. And you must know how to arm yourself in prayer. This is the intelligence by which great men were made. God cannot change it. Listen, listen. Was it, was it not God? Was it not God that brought barrenness in Egypt? Was it not God when, when, Adam, when Abraham and Sarah lied to the Pharaoh? Was it not God who struck all the women in Egypt with, 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 with barrenness? Was it not God? Why is it that when he meets him in a dream, he does not tell Pharaoh, oh, okay, forgive him. Uh, I remove the barrenness. God doesn't tell that to Pharaoh. He says, go to Abraham. He will pray for you. Didn't God bring the barrenness? Why? He brought the barrenness because Pharaoh breached a covenant that Abraham had with God. So God was legalized to act. <laughs> but now, God could not reverse what he brought because the way in which he brought it was closed because Pharaoh apologized and Pharaoh said I did not know and God says yeah I knew did not know that's why I did not finish you <laughs> but he said to him go to who go to Abraham go to Abraham and remember a few chapters before God had said to Sarah I will meet with you according to, I'll visit you according to the time of life and you shall have a child Remember? So God strikes Pharaoh with the very same thing that Sarah had. And then he sends Pharaoh to, Ab to Abraham for Abraham to pray for Pharaoh. And when Abraham prays for Pharaoh, God opens the wombs of every woman in Egypt, including Sarah's. So the prophetic word that God gave to Sarah could not be fulfilled until God created a situation where Abraham can pray that God could act. God couldn't even restore the wealth, the possession, the life of Job until Job prayed. There are things in our lives, my brothers and my sisters, 
destiny things, life things, blessings that will never be released. The angels that will never work until you learn the mystery of prayer. How can a God who brought barrenness to a land still request that for the barrenness to be removed, a man must pray? A man who was in covenant with him. He told the friends of Job, he says, go to Job and he will pray for you. And the Bible says, and when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored him. You see a pattern in your family. You see it consistently. And you, you, you sit and wait and say, no, I'm a Christian. It's not that you are a Christian. The era of bloodlines does not stop when you are a Christian. It stops when you pray. You want God's intervention in your bloodline, in your destiny, in your life. You must learn how to wage war in prayer. You must learn how to agonize in prayer. You must learn how to labor in prayer. Except you do that, you may never see God's results in your life. Jesus was fully God. Jesus was the Adam. The Bible calls him the second Adam. The Lord from heaven. Jesus held down from the corridors of the heavenlies. But when he became a man, when he put on flesh, he knew if I am going to sustain connection with divinity, I must pray. I must pray. If I'm going to control the forces that are coming against me, against my ministry, I must pray. He woke up a great while before daylight and prayed and prayed. Peter said, be serious and watchful in prayers. You are not ready for life. If you are lazy in prayer listen to me you are not ready for life if you are lazy in prayer your life does not improve because you are connected to someone who prays your life improves because you yourself can pray you don't need degrees to pray you need to pray to earn them You'll be waiting for God. God has been waiting for you. You think God will move in your life because he loves you? <laughs> you have not been schooled in the operations of God. You're not, if you don't pray, life will make you think God hates you. Life will show... <laughs> There are no, there's, there's no such thing as luck in this life. There's no such thing as wish in this life. Life is a consequence. Not luck, a consequence of applied principles. You will die 
Listen to me. You will die if you don't learn how to fight in prayer. There's none who stirs himself. None who shakes himself to see me. What is your life like? Is your life proliferated by demonic activity and presence? You know what to do. You must pray. I hit this thing so hard, it's breaking. You must know what to do. Don't look at it, you didn't buy it. You must know what to do. You must pray. You must learn, you must learn to pray. You must learn to separate yourself from humans. You must learn. You must learn. You, you must learn. You can build up your CV. You can build up your profile. You can go after many degrees. Oh, oh, life is not respect of degrees. You don't win in life because you have degrees. Would, would, would say that you only move ahead in life if he has a plan for you. You only rise in life if he has a plan for you. Same with God. If you're going to, listen, there are roads, my brother, that you see that this one is not paved by God. This one is not built by God for me. To, for you to chart a new one, why we pray. There's a reason. One day, a man had a daughter. The daughter was in a foreign land. These people were Christians, feared by the spirit. So he lived in a farm, they had a farm. So he and his wife lived in the farm. So every morning, four o'clock, he'd go and feed the animals, the hogs, the cows and so forth. One morning, about four o'clock, as he was going, he was carrying the buckets to feed the animals. 
all of a sudden something hit him he had a burden and he not knowing that something was not right with his daughter put those buckets down he turned back home when he got home and opened the doors of the kitchen the wife looked at him and said what's wrong you look pale he said i don't know but something is not right with our daughter her life is in danger and then he went right there on the kitchen he went on his knees he cried and prayed and groaned five o'clock six o'clock seven o'clock eight o'clock nine o'clock ten o'clock one o'clock two o'clock at about two he started laughing and singing in the spirit two weeks later they received a telegram it was their daughter she had contracted a disease that kills it was killing people in that part of the, the land and she had contracted it and they had given up on her they knew they couldn't do anything so while she was lying on her bed struggling with death her father was thousands and thousands of kilometers away praying from five up until two at two o'clock she just woke up came out of it fully healed and when they checked the time it was the time the father finished praying when he had gotten the big nine hours to change and keep the soul of his daughter in her body. What are you doing? What is so special that God will do for you that he could not do with that man who had to pray nine hours? Tell me, tell me, what's so special about you? The only thing special and different about you is your ignorance. It's because you think that life is simple. That you are untouchable. And when you are touched, you are offended. Things don't change because you sit back and fold your arms and say, let me see what God will do. Not when you are the one who is responsible here on earth. If you want to get God here, and you must understand something. The Bible says that Daniel, he prayed for 21 days. For three full weeks he prayed. And when the angel came, the angel said, when the day, the, from the first moment you prayed, God heard you. He didn't say there's not, there was nothing wrong with, with God. He says, no, the problem came when the answer was being sent. He said, I was, I was held by the kings of Persia 
for 21 days. So God sent Gabriel the same day and the same moment he was praying. But Gabriel took 21 days to reach Daniel. So you ask yourself, how? Wasn't God that sent the answer? It was God. Why didn't God see, hey, he's held back there. God did nothing. God did nothing. What changed the matter, what allowed for Gabriel to penetrate was the sustained prayer of Daniel. Daniel was looking for an answer and he was unwilling to stop until the answer came. So the real factor then was not really the, the answer or, or the withholding of the answer. It was the sustaining of the prayer. He was strong in prayer. And then at the last day, the Bible says that Gabriel said to him, Michael came to help me. Only two of them. He was, he was imprisoned. He was an angel of God, was imprisoned, Gabriel. This is the first angel with a name, whose name is mentioned, Gabriel, imprisoned. And the only thing that could allow for the answer to reach Daniel was Daniel's prayer. And it was your responsibility. To pray. Little share give on malona, give on tatalona, give me regalona, give the business salona, your marriages, your destiny, they will pass you. Because you think what is yours will come to you. Life don't work that way. In this life, as long as you have an adversary, what is yours will not come easy. What belongs to you will not, come, will not be handed to you like this. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. It don't, it don't work that way. You know what Darius did? What King Darius did? When they threw Daniel into the into the lion's den, the Bible says sleep left him. And he did not eat. The whole night he was awake fasting for Daniel. Is this modern Christianity thing that has messed you up?
You don't have God's will in your life done without resistance. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Did he have it easy? Was he not empowered by the Holy Ghost? But he didn't have it easy. When he was, when he was faith was a decision to make. Did you just fold his hands and say, oh, oh, my soul is exceedingly great, exceedingly sorrowful. He said to the disciples, come, let's pray. Let's pray. His soul was sorrowful, but he said, even unto death. He said, watch, come watch with me, let's pray. And he prayed, the Bible says he prayed so he agonized in prayer. This is Jesus. He agonized in prayer. You, you can't stay five minutes. You can't stay one hour. <laughs> you think you see the glory. I see the glory of God. I see the glory of God. I see the... You see hell, that's what you see. You see hell, that's what you see. Don't be deceived that praying in a company is enough. When it comes to praying for your life, your destiny, your future, oh God Almighty, may God help you. If you can't get alone with God, if you are in trouble and you can't get alone with God, forget, forget it. 90%, nothing will happen. In fact, 98%. Nothing will happen. <laughs> you don't wake up and all of a sudden, ooh, things are changed. Uh -uh. Don't happen, Brother Isaac. In this life, it don't happen. In this life, you must fight. In this life, you, you, must, you must make prayer your business. You must make it your business. We are young Miriam. You must make it your business. You must have a ministry of prayer. Otherwise, you go around in circles year after year, year after year, until you look back in your life and say, oh, if I, if I. Paul said, I fought with lions on every side. I fought. I fought. I put them off. He prayed. He said, I, I beg you. You know what in Romans chapter 15? He said, I beg you. He says, I, I beg you by the love of Christ, by the love of the Spirit, I beg you that you, you agonize, you fight together with me in prayers for me.
One man of God said, it took them 10 years. 10 years to get God to intervene in their family. The day God intervened, the, 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 the one that was responsible for all the mayhem there, they started confessing and brought out everything, the shrines, the color meshes, everything that day. But it took them 10 years. And he said the more they prayed, the more trouble came. The more they prayed, the more afflictions came. How long have you been praying for your family? How long have you been praying for your destiny? How long? Life is not hard because you did not go to school. Life is not hard because there are no jobs. Life is hard because there's a vacuum around you. And you must feel that vacuum with incense. You must feel it. You must feel it. To get married you think you will get married just like that anything God ordains Satan fights anything God ordains Satan fights I anything God has ordained Satan fights. Anything. Marriage is an ordination of God. Satan will fight it. Gifts and callings are ordinations of God. Satan will fight it. Financial liberality, liberty, Satan will fight it. Anything God has ordained over your life, it will be fought.
I've been fighting for the last 12 years for my gift, for my calling. If I can tell you some of the things I have fought through. <laughs> what will you say if a demon comes at you in the night? A principality comes at you in the night. I've come to kill you. I've come to destroy you. When a fallen angel comes and steps in and looks you dead in the eye without any fear and tells you, I'm going to destroy you tonight. They are doing that every day for you on your life. That you don't see them doesn't mean they don't happen. Every day they are threatening you, undermining you. Every day, every single day of your life. What's your defense? You are a Christian. You are, a, I'm a Christian. The identifying mark of a healthy Christian, the identifying mark of a healthy and strong and, and true Christian is their prayer life. To pray. To prosecute, to earnestly see God. It's what your churches will not teach you today. They will tell you God will do it for you. He will not. She will not. She will not. You have to do something. You initiate the intervention. You initiate it. He that is consistent will achieve much. He that is consistent in the chambers of prayer will achieve much, will accomplish much in this life than he that is casual. You, you, you can't gauge your life. You can't compare your life with the life of a man or a woman of prayer. You can't. Because the system that they operate by they are far greater than the systems of man the systems of this world you may operate by if 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 he is knowledgeable if he has the understanding of prayer of revelation and the power thereof it's just a matter of time what will take you 10 years to reach it might take him one month backed up by 15 years of prayer
you need to pray. Talk about you alone. You need to pray. In this church, we pray. I'm talking about you. You need to pray. You need to, you need to develop a life. Cultivate a ministry of prayer. Anything less than that is self-deception. Is self-deception. There are people who've been praying for years just for one word. For years. The Bible says, Anna served God with fastings and prayer just to see Jesus. She lost her husband in her youth. She was now some 86 years old. 60 long years she was praying just for one thing. Simeon, the same thing for the consolation. Of the, there are people who pray years just for one word. Think about it. Yeah, now I just pray and God answers. Really? Wow. God bless you. See where your life is, my boy? Your next level depends on prayer. Incessant prayer. Persevering prayer. Persistent prayer. Spiritful, earnest, fervent prayer. The Bible says the fervent and effectual prayer of a righteous man. Heated prayer avails much. avails much. <coughs> if there's one thing I drill into every, every person I've mentored is do everything but let prayer be your priority. If you're going to see God changes, pray. Pray. Hallelujah. Pray. It was the prayer, the intercession of Jacob that changed the heart of Esau. When Esau and Jacob left, when they parted ways, Esau said, I swear to God, I will kill you. The next time they met, he embraced him. What changed it? May God help you. May God help you. May God help you. 
If there's one prayer I've prayed over the years, it's God make me a man of prayer. Make me a man of prayer. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's our eyes on our feet. There are graces in life, powers in life that we will never experience as long as we are shallow in the river of prayer. There are things that will never change, never change until you reach optimum prayer, until you determine, commit to pray, until the business has been sorted out. You love your friends too much. You love things too much. Change your preferential systems. Change it. If you understand the orchestration of events, you will see how much prayer plays a role in how they happen. Why must Moses lie before God 40 days and 40 nights, praying, interceding, and then lie another 40 days, praying, and interceding if that is not why do prophetic words promises never happen in the lives of some
You don't take a seed and put it in a shelf. You take a seed and plant it in the ground and water it. it was, was it not Elijah that said to the, to the, to the Amma Bera, go tell Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Was it not Elijah that went up on the mountain and put his head between his thighs and prayed seven times? Didn't he just give the prophetic word? about entering into seasons of prayer where you say father enough is enough there must be a change oh if you have not been moved by the spirit into those dimensions my brothers and my sisters you have not contacted power you don't know what it is to touch the power of heaven the power of almighty God one man of God was struggling Things were not working out in his life. He woke up one morning and said, God, enough is not in, enough is enough. I'm not leaving here until there's a change. He prayed. He prayed so much until a cloud rested on his house. Until when he came out of his house late at night, people were surrounding his house because there was a cloud that had come down. He said he prayed so hard until he felt his jaws were tearing. He wanted change. We want change and we sit on our couches and eat popcorn and say, God, you know I want change. He's a millionaire today. His life is balanced. Wisdom and knowledge are the stabilizers of our times. The wisdom to pray. You can see that this situation has been perpetual. You can see it. It's been lasting for years. You close your door. You tell everybody, I'm not coming out. Don't disturb me. You say, God, I die here if I must. But this must change. He says, a man would desire mingle himself with wisdom. A man through desire. Jesus said, whatsoever you desire. Some of your things, situations, circumstances have not come to the point where you desire change. See, when the, the, the moment you, 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 you are impatient for change. <laughs> Look at Hannah. Year in, year out, mocked, you are buried, mocked, till one day enough was enough. Perhaps she went into the house of God and poured her soul to the Lord like a drunk man. Until words without sound came out. How deep those groanings must have been. Years ago, I looked at my parents, how much they tried and struggled 
knew this is not the way for me. I said to the Lord, there must be another way. There must be another way to get where I want to, to get where I desire. And God taught me how to pray. If you ask me today, what is the single most effective secret to your life, I will tell you, it was books and prayer. And it still is. I owe honor to the God who taught me to pray. Taught me how to read. If it was not for those two things in my life, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know. But I know I wouldn't be where I am in life. I know it. Maybe I would have been in prison. Who knows? Maybe I would have been a robber. Who knows? But to him who taught me the mysteries of ascension in life, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that you discover the importance, how crucial prayer is in your life. So many things should not have happened. And those responsible prayed. You are responsible for your life. You are responsible. God has made you a custodian. Beautify you. Build a life of prayer. Oh, I beg you. I beg you. I beg you. Build. Listen to me. Even if it means you must climb the mountains. Even if it means you must go to some wilderness or some arid valley. Just so that you can find time with God. Do anything you must to be with God. You will see change. If you learn to, if you learn to stay on your knees, if you learn to stay when everything, when your body is itching to leave, if you learn just to stay, just to stay one more hour, when everything says it's enough now, if you learn to stay, 
the ministry of prayer is one that all God's people must be very effective in. That things pray for me will not help. <laughs> you can be strong in prayer in the absence of adversity. You can be committed to prayer in the absence of adversity. But when adversities come to try and drain your strength and you lose your strength in prayer, my brother, my sister, that may be the last day you leave on earth. Pray. 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 Don't let confusion, anxiety, distractions, pain, anger, frustration move you from that place. May God help us. There's a song of tears de machino sesinila da gran ketoria. In de menchaita gradabonta stiza gradabaj. Kaba de goshadiza te konde bredi. May God help you. May God help you. Charles G. Finney would pray from 4 o'clock, 8 o'clock to 8 o'clock every single day of his life. Every single day of his life he spent time praying when he'd go into cities for revivals, entire cities would shut down. Entire cities would be saved. When they asked him, what is the secret of your ministry? He said, I prayed. But now I know that the secret of my ministry was none other than Brother Nash's prayers. Brother Nash was a man of God who lived his life out in prayer. He would go three days, four days ahead of Charles Finney and would rent a room and would lie there on the room and pray. Sometimes even the people, the custodians of the motels or the hotels that he'd rented, they'd come in and open thinking that somebody was dying. When it opened, they'd find the man lying down and he was swimming in, 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 in water, in water, his tears. Behind every great life, a pools of tears.
but God, that is the only way to prevail. Israel, Jacob was called Israel because he had prevailed with God through intercession, through prayer. he said to me when God has blessed you separate a room for prayer unto the Lord I knew I knew right there at that moment that if I'm going to win in life I must win there first that if I'm going to prevail in life, I must prevail in prayer. Prayer saved me. Prayer saved me. Hallelujah. We'll continue next week. Praise the Lord. Let's take our offerings. 